0: what is going on everybody welcome back to extra points in nfl podcast happy wednesday happy day after trade deadline day in That's kind of the big thing that I want to talk about today, because it feels like the first time in God knows how long, uh, certainly as long as I can remember, that we've actually had an impactful and exciting trade deadline. Because it feels like every single season, whenever we come up onto the good old day, whatever it may be, obviously it was November 1st this week for us, but kind of kind of like marking the halfway point of the season when no one can trade anymore we're all speculating about the 20 plus people that we think could be traded or should be traded or good moves that other teams should acquire and none of it ever seems to happen nothing ever really seems to materialize i, I feel like the only I guess trade deadline move of note that I can think of within the past few years outside of this season would be like Demarius Thomas when he was traded to what the the Texans or something from the Jets or vice versa and that was the only thing that I ever remember being something of note where I saw it and I was like oh wow that's that's interesting. I mean, I could be wrong. I could just be completely forgetting about something in the recent years. I mean, maybe Brandon Cooks was traded at the trade deadline at some point like that. But, I mean, I mean, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Stuff like this never happens. So it's really, really cool that we're finally seeing... <laughs> I guess just an interesting trade, trade deadline. Big names moving, big things happening. Obviously, I mean, I, I don't know if you'd necessarily count it as a trade deadline trade. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the ones that happened uh, a week, maybe two ago. I mean, obviously, there's the one with Kadarius Toney going to the, the Chiefs, where the Chiefs just um, gave up a third and a sixth round to the, to the Giants, or like the Christian McCaffrey trade, where he went to the 49ers, obviously from the Panthers, uh, Robbie Anderson getting moved, just stuff like that. I mean, those obviously happened, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, a week and a half or so by now, so you don't, so you might not count them directly as trade deadline trades, but yesterday itself, leading up to the 4 p.m. cutoff, at least for uh, Eastern Standard Time, a lot of stuff happened. A lot of shit went down, guys, and that's what I'm gonna be doing today, just breaking down pretty much the biggest uh, moves, in my opinion. The, the, these are, for the most part, all of them, But there were a couple sprinkled in there, like a defensive end uh, that the Jets traded to the Broncos. I think Jacob Martin was his name or something like, I don't know, like the Bills signing just a backup safety Dean Marlowe, who they used to have, stuff like that. So uh, there were a a lot of big names, I guess, that did get traded. And then a couple smaller ones. I only really want to focus on the big names or, I guess, important signings. Uh, for now that I think make a difference. Some key guys that weren't traded though I mean Kareem hunt, we all thought that he would possibly be traded. he wasn't moved. Brandon Cooks got a lot of speculation. he wasn't moved. the jets wide receivers, Elijah Moore Denzel mims, people like that they weren't moved at all. And yeah, I mean JJ Watt was even a potential a uh, big name deal that we thought could happen. Uh, Patriots had an offensive lineman in there, I believe Isaiah Wynn, and j- just a bunch of stuff like that. Like so like the smaller guys, but potentially big guys. N- none of the really, really enormous moves happened like that. And the potential blockbuster that a lot of people were talking about was maybe Mac Jones if Bill Belichick just wants to stick with Bailey Zappi. Didn't really think that that was going to happen, and it didn't. But anyways, I mean, l- let's get right into the moves that did happen. And to start off with, I kind of want to start with I guess the earliest one. I don't think this happened today. This or yesterday. It might have happened a day prior to that. But it was Roquan Smith being t- traded to the Ravens from the Bears, in exchange for AJ Klein, who is a I, I believe he was a kind of a backup slash fringe starting linebacker for the Ravens, a second round pick and a fifth round pick. Now for the Ravens, this seems like a good deal, because Roquan Smith is an incredible linebacker. Do not get me wrong. However, the only thing that I'm a little cautious upon is all that they gave up to get him along with what they're going to need to pay him in the future. Now, I know that the Ravens have a little bit of of cap flexibility, um, obviously without Lamar Jackson having his deal yet. So, you kind of have some money to move around, but the thing is you give up a second round pick, a fifth round pick, Uh, and then a starting fringe, decent linebacker in A.J. Klein. He played pretty well for for the Ravens in in his time there. And I believe he also played for the Steelers as well, had a year or two on the Bills. He's a decent linebacker. And, I mean, yes, Roquan Smith is 100%, a complete upgrade, a huge, a massive, massive upgrade. But... You give up a second and a fifth as well, and the Ravens are already kind of short on picks, and then along with that, you need to pay Roquan Smith. And one of the big things that he had an issue with prior to the season was with the Bears, and the Bears not paying him what he thought he was worth, which he, he's demanding top-of-the-market money. And especially if you want to re-sign Lamar Jackson onto a second contract, he's going to want market deal as well. And the last thing you want to do is pay a linebacker in today's league. Now, obviously, there are some exceptions. There are some incredible, incredible linebackers uh, that, that we see. But at the same time, it's, I don't know, it's it, it just not, I don't think it's the best business move uh, in this sense for the Ravens, especially with contracts that they have coming up. They already have their running, or not their running backs, their cornerbacks on big deals as well. I believe Marlon Humphrey uh, just signed a larger deal, I believe they got a safety in there. They might have traded out Marcus Williams. But either way, they, they have a couple of people now on large contracts. Mark Andrews, contractor, Chad Bateman, if he pans out, he's going to need a contract. And a linebacker in today's NFL, even though the one of Roquan Smith's caliber, I'm not sure you can justify him being completely worth it like that. I just don't feel like you can. Because, yes, he is great, but linebacker is one of the... I guess positions of lesser importance, especially now with it being a passing league and not many teams utilizing a tight end. So yes, he's good. He can rush the passer. He's a good coverage linebacker, but how much are you going to need him, especially for the price you're um, ultimately going to have to pay him? Because you're not giving up a second round pick and a fifth round pick along with another linebacker just for a one-year rental on a linebacker. So Yeah, especially with Lamar Jackson's contract coming up, this is really going to be interesting, and I don't know, I don't want to dig too deep or read too deep into the tea leaves or anything like that, but does this mean something for Lamar Jackson? Are the Ravens bringing in someone that they know they're going to need to pay despite needing to pay Lamar Jackson? Is is it kind of a subtle message saying, like, hey, yeah, we're probably not going to pay Lamar or something like that? Again, I don't want to read too far into it, and I doubt that that's the case, but still, I mean, I I hope you guys can kind of understand my hesitations (laughs) Uh, for this move for the Bears, good pick. They're in a rebuild. Uh, it's it's good that they traded away one of their star players and got at least some a decent amount of return on it. I mean, AJ Klein, spot starter, just throw him in there. You can play on special teams as well. But in the meantime, what I'm really focusing on is one taking away a player that you're going to need to pay massive amounts of money to retain, not at a premium position, and then getting a second round pick. And I mean, whatever, a fifth round pick. Who really cares? I'm focusing on the second round pick. And I think that that's very, very key, especially where they are in their rebuild. They can use that to, I don't know, trade up in the draft and take someone they want or use it to draft a receiver or something like that to help Justin Fields. <laughs> but essentially, what it is, I think, in my opinion, is kind of because of the the, the move that happened, honestly, next, N- not, not directly after, but this is kind of the first big move of uh, of the trade deadline at least the one that I was aware of first and that was Chase Claypool getting traded to the Bears and the Steelers got a second round pick now I just said that the uh, Bears of course um, received a second round pick for Roquan Smith and they just shipped one off to the Steelers for Chase Claypool so it seems a little weird uh, at first look, especially a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, who hasn't really had that great of a season. I know in his rookie year he had, what, like two or three games where he had uh, he had a couple two or three touchdown games in a row, and he had a crap ton of touchdowns, and then he got a bunch of hype, but then he kind of trailed off from there. And now I know that it's because he hasn't really had much uh, much help or much to work with at the at the quarterback position throwing to him? I mean, Kenny Pickett, whatever, Trubisky, whatever, and a shell of a, of his former self. Big Ben is not really, not really anything too awe inspiring or anything like that. But what 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 do you hope to get from Justin Fields? I know that he has looked better over the past couple of weeks, but I don't think that he's anything better than say a Kenny Pickett or a Ben Roethlisberger even passing wise. Ben Roethlisberger at least was able to get to 200-300 to yards a game and give him that those volume stats and help him out there. Justin Fields can hardly scrape 150 every game. Like, we're lucky if we see over 150 passing yards from this guy. So, for Claypool himself, it's probably not the best move. For the Bears, I understand wanting to put help around Justin Fields, but at such a steep cost for a player that's been routinely underperforming and he has, like, mental errors on the field. Like, think of... Uh, i mean it, it hits, the first thing that hits me is like against the vikings when he decides to celebrate rather than get the ball to the refs and stuff like that and well it didn't ult- it didn't ultimately cost them that game but it definitely had an effect on the outcome and, and hindered them there and then i mean thinking back to uh, what what game was it was it maybe the bills game where tony romo was was critiquing him for his routes how he was running a post out or something like that and he should have just converted it and ran it flat, but instead he decided to keep going downfield, and it just made it easier for the defender to play the ball on. So essentially what I'm getting at, I mean, obviously that is a little bit of nitpicking, but what I'm getting at is for a second-round pick, I don't think he's that caliber of receiver that you want. Now, could I be wrong? Absolutely. Because he has all the talent in the world, and I think he really could produce as long as he's given the opportunity, which he really hasn't been given uh, in, 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 in Pittsburgh. Because, I mean, like I said, you had the issue with with Big Ben, and now Kenny Pickett's just kind of, it seems like he's focusing more on Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting move for the Bears, especially because you're essentially giving up all that you gave away for Roquan Smith. Like, the big thing in the Roquan Smith deal was the Bears getting that second-round pick, and then they just ditched the second-round pick for Chase Claypool. I feel like just in a future draft, if you use a second-round pick on a wide receiver, you would have a much better chance at getting a better player than Chase Claypool. But once again, I could be wrong. The guy has all the talent, so we'll just need to see. Overall, I think it's a decent move for the Bears. I like seeing that they're actually trying to get uh, Justin Fields some help. It's It's a nice little switch up from what we've seen throughout the drafts and stuff like that, and maybe it instills some confidence in him that this new regime of the Bears actually has some faith in him beyond just this season. Now, the third in maybe biggest trade, Maybe the second biggest trade, I guess, of this uh, trade deadline would be TJ Hawkinson being traded to the Vikings. This was crazy in multiple, multiple senses. Because on one hand, we're going back to that point where... I, I, this this happened uh, in the draft this past season, too, where the Lions and the Vikings made a bunch of deals. And the Lions gave the Vikings... Uh, what do you call it a couple of, of picks to to move up and take uh, Williams the, the, the receiver Jamal Williams or not Jamal I'm blanking on his name, but the speeds are from Alabama. And it, it was weird seeing the, the in division trades then because it seemed like the Lions got the much better deal uh, giving the Vikings like two late second round picks to jump up almost 30 spots in the first round. on this hand, uh, on the, in this instance, I guess on the other hand, the Vikings have really, it seems like they kind of fleeced the, uh, the the Lions here, and it's weird to see the Lions and Vikings trading so interchangeably. It seems like they've had a lot of deals and their division rivals, which just makes it weirder. There could be some sort of um, some sort of relationship there between front offices, and if that I mean, if not, correct me if I'm wrong, but. There's, there's got to be something like that where they just kind of know each other, something like that. But anyways, the Lions send over their former first-round pick at tight end and honestly one of probably the top four or five tight ends in the league in TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings along with two fourth-round picks where, in, the, in, in exchange for a second-round and a fifth-round pick. Now, that's that doesn't make sense to me because the Lions get a second-round and a fifth-rounder for a first-round very good tight end in two-fourths. Now, one is a conditional fourth, but I don't know. It doesn't make sense because the Vikings are getting two fourth-round picks and an all-star tight end, and the Lions are essentially getting a second-round pick. So, yeah, I mean, the the easiest way to kind of make sense of this, and I hate trades that involve just a bunch of different swappings of draft picks because it really gets hard to kind of crack down and focus on what each thing means, but if you think about it here, it's essentially saying that TJ Hawkinson is worth a second-round pick, and then they're giving the two-fourths for a fifth. So it's really saying that TJ Hawkinson is worth a little bit less than a second-round pick, which is just ridiculous to me. He's so much better than that. Like I said, I think he's a top-five tight end in this league. I'd put probably Kelsey at number one, Andrews at number two, Kittle at number three now, and I don't know. I I mean, who else beyond that is honestly your choice? Gesicki might be up there. You can make an argument for Kyle Pitts, but production-wise, I wouldn't put him there. I'd put Hawkins in probably fourth, maybe Darren Waller in there as well, so fourth or fifth, but yeah, I mean, so kind of shifting into what this means for the Vikings. For the Vikings, they're going all in, is what I see this as. It's it's a great trade, and yes, I know that he, I, did, he either got extended or has an extension coming up soon, so they're going to need to pay that, especially uh, after bringing him in, but Irv Smith Jr., he just is it just came out that he was going to be sidelined about eight to ten weeks with an injury. So this is almost that little replacement for Irv Smith Jr. while also upgrading at the position. Like I said, I, I love TJ Hawkinson. I think he's great. They're going all in. And I mean they, they, they very well should. They're six and one now. They're in sole possession of first place in their division. It looks like they have a cakewalk to their division title. And then to go along with that, they're I don't. It just seems like they're kind of just making all the moves they can in the off season. We saw them bring in Zadarius Smith from the from the Packers. That, that was a huge signing there. And then furthermore, they're going out and adding an All Star tight end. Now their offense. You guys know that I already liked their offense a lot beforehand. Now, I mean, you have Kirk Cousins, and I think that he's good. I really, really do. But then you look, and instead of just Irv Smith Junior, you now have T J. Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, K.J. Osborne. It's just crazy. The amount of depth that they have on offense now, and I think that utilizing a tight end with the Shanahan type of scheme, which um, obviously uh, Kevin O'Connell, I know he comes from Sean McVay, but M- McVay is also an extension of the Shanahan scheme, so they like to use their tight ends, whether it be for blocking, I mean, look look for um, in Los Angeles with Tyler Higbee. He's a, he's a big receiver. He gets involved in the blocking game. Look at uh, George Kittle in San Francisco, obviously. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be used in a very, very similar way as they are. And I think that that is going to benefit them greatly. So for the Vikings, that is just an incredible, incredible signing. Well, trade, I guess, at, at this point. in honestly, getting the two fourth-round picks with him, even though one is conditional, well worth a second and a fifth-round pick. Oh, my goodness. Well, well worth it. Lion side, like I said, I think he kind of got fleeced here just a little bit uh, for the 2nd and the 5th, giving up the 2 fourths and, you know, an all-star tight end. I think it just shows that the Lions are really just trying to bottom out now. I mean, they, they gave away one of their key pieces, a guy that's been there for a long time, one of Jared Goff's more favorite targets. And I know that Hawkinson has been relatively inconsistent for them, but he's, he's had those big games. He's shown his big playability and stuff like that. So it just seems like they're kind of just... I don't know, chucking it out the window here, just giving up on them, which really stinks to see, especially for the Lions. They're at 1-6. and They have the worst record overall in the entire league and currently hold the first overall pick. So I completely justify just wanting to get as much assets as you can to qualify for a full-scale rebuild. But, yeah, I mean, I I, I can understand it for both teams, but Vikings kind of made out like a bandit here. Now, finally, the last big move that happened here, at least the one that I want to touch in and A ton of detail obviously involves Bradley Chubb going from the Broncos to the Dolphins. The full trade details ended up being Chubb and a fifth round pick to the Dolphins in exchange for a first round pick, a fourth round pick, and the Dolphins running back Chase Edmonds. Now on the Dolphins side, giving up their first round pick in this upcoming season is pretty huge because they, they technically did have the two first-round picks, but one of them got taken away from them due to the Stephen Ross scandal, which, God, it just feels like a lifetime ago when I covered that, but still, you get my point. And then, I mean, so you take out their only other first-round pick. I believe they already gave up a second-round pick in some other past um, trade as well. I believe the, the Tyreek Hill uh, trade, if I'm not mistaken, the the Dolphins don't have many picks so they're really really selling out I mean obviously like I said they're first they're fourth I don't think they have a second or they might not have a third but either way they don't have many um, prime picks in this upcoming draft and I, I I completely get get getting rid of Chase Edmonds I mean he got buried on the depth chart but behind Raheem Mostert and another signing that we'll get into a little bit later on but Edmonds just wasn't the kind of back that it seemed like they wanted. He really wasn't able to make much of his opportunities, complete bust for them. So I completely get moving on from him now for the Broncos. And I I mean, I guess, I guess I want to I'll I'll stick with the dolphins here and just kind of explain what, what Chubb means to them. They're going all in getting uh, Bradley Chubb Here As a defensive end, they already had a good enough defense, but their one issue seemed to be getting after the passer. Jalen Phillips is very streaky. He had one or two good games, but other than that, he's been relatively non-existent. Uh, They obviously traded away, uh, I believe Melvin Ingram, did they trade him away, or maybe they received him as well. But either way, they've been having issues and struggles getting after the passer. And when you're in the division that they're in with Josh Allen, obviously, and then being in the AFC when you need to face Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson to lesser extents, they're good uh, quarterbacks that you need to get pressure on to throw them off of their game. And without being able to do that, you're not going to get very far. So I think that the fact that they're really kind of selling out, giving away, mortgaging their first-round picks, first off, it looks very Rams-like, which I know McDaniels is from uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, but it's it seems like it's similar to that philosophy. And like I said, McVay is still a Shanahan disciple, even though he's starting to get his own tree here. It, 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 they're just going all in, and I think that they're trying to form the team to their their liking, get, win with a strong pass rush and really just have their offense compensate for that. So if they're a high-flying offense and Tyreek Hill is really just going balls to the wall, you get up by two scores or something like that, and then just like how the Bills have constructed their team, then you just allow your pass rushers to tee off and go ham and get after the quarterback, which now, especially after uh, getting Bradley Chubb, if the Dolphins get up by two scores with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, then you just have uh, Bradley Chubb, Melvin Ingram, Jalen Phillips Pin your ear backs and run, baby. And they're going to get after the quarterback. So that is an incredible, incredible move on the Dolphins' part here. And it, it does wonders for them. I think it increases their chances of contending exponentially. I think they are in so much of a better place, especially in the division, because don't, don't forget, they beat the Bills earlier on in this season, so they have that leg up over the Bills, and Now, if they can just continue to kind of carry the the momentum, maybe the Bills trip and fall a little bit here, it's it's going to be a very, very big opportunity for the Dolphins to not only contend for the division, but contend uh, going into the playoffs in the AFC. Now, on the flip side, the Broncos. They're... I don't know. It seems like they kinda of gave up on the season. And do I blame them? No, not really, because they're sitting with a terrible record. Three and five. They're not in any any like in any aspect close to contending in their own division, let alone the AFC itself. So I do understand, but it just it's just a very, very mixed signal. Because the entire theme, I guess you would say, of this offseason is involved the Broncos going all in it seemed like they brought in I believe was it Sebastian Joseph Day? no it was Randy Gregory and then the other guy from the 49ers as on the defensive side of the ball they stocked up on their defense and their defense looks great and then it was they they traded for Russell Wilson they have Jerry Judy KJ Hamler had Tim Patrick I know he's injured now but Albert and then obviously Cortland Sutton as well, and you're like, oh my goodness, this team is going all in, they want to contend. So many people had picked them for Super Bowl contenders, winning the division, taking over from the Chiefs, and it just hasn't looked like that. And so, obviously they paid Russell Wilson prior to the season happening, they gave him boatloads of money, making him the highest paid quarterback. The thing that I find weird though, is going all in like that, giving up so much like they have, and then this early on well maybe not early on but it seems like they're just kind of punting on it and I know that they would have needed to pay Bradley Chubb obviously coming up here but after seemingly going all in on this season and being picked as Super Bowl picks why would you trade your best pass rusher I understand that you got a first round pick but I don't know if you can get a late first round pick from the looks of it because keep in mind the pick that the um, Dolphins gave them was the 49ers in the first place and the 49ers look like a damn good team so if at worst, the, the 49ers look like a bad team, maybe go 800 at worst, or 500 at worst, 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, something like that. I mean, it's a mid-maybe 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 overall pick. Do you really want that for a star pass rusher? I mean, once again, I understand you need to pay, and after paying Russell Wilson, you kind of screwed yourselves cap-wise there. You're paying um Russell Wilson. You paid guys on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to need to pay Pat Sertain eventually. He looks incredible. Uh, Justin Simmons believe you're paying, just brought in Randy Gregory, so I understand financially, but overall, it just sends just such conflicting messages, you brought in Russell Wilson, a brand new head coach, you reloaded, revamped, and then you trade your star pass rusher? Once again, I understand that your season is essentially over, and it has been for a while, and you've looked pitiful, but... You're taking away from your one strength. And what about for next season? If, say, you dedicate your time and effort this offseason to improving the offense and maybe getting an actually competent coach in there, maybe you can, like, coach um, coax Sean Payton there, something like that. But, I mean, you, you just gave away one of your star players. So it signaled. it looks like something that you would do in a rebuild. Like, it seems like something that the Panthers would do, like give away Brian Burns or something like that. It seems like something the Steelers would do, maybe trade away, I don't know— I mean, that's probably a bad example because it can't, I don't know, we'll say TJ Watt, something like that. It's just ridiculous to see. But on the other hand, I mean, I I guess I can see it. I I guess I can understand trying to reload and maybe one pass rusher isn't going to be the end-all be-all for the Broncos defense, but still... Very very questionable in my opinion. A very very strange move overall. But Dolphins capitalize huge here. Broncos take a hit, but that first round pick is very nice, along with the cap relief that it will eventually uh, provide in not needing to sign him to an extension or at least not pay for that money. Then one of the moves that uh, I I guess kind of ties in with this, like I said, the Dolphins gave up Chase Edmonds in that in that trade. There, they also got Jeff Wilson uh, someone from the 49ers, a running back who is now going to be behind Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell once he comes back. But, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., he looked very, very good. He really did in the time that, uh, CMC was not there and Elijah Mitchell was hurt. He had very good games. He contributed in the pass game, the run game. He looked very, very good. Now, obviously, uh, Mike McDaniels, the Dolphins head coach comes from uh, San Francisco. So it makes sense that he would want to bring him over because he he shares a similar scheme. And obviously he has Raheem Mostert, former 49ers running back. Now he brings over Jeff Wilson, another 49ers former running back. You can kind of see where I'm going here. He kind of wants to get his people in the room, his guys, his runners. And he was the running backs coach in San Francisco, uh, run games coordinator as well. And so it only makes sense that he's going to bring his running backs here. He tried it out with Chase Edmonds, who he traded to the Broncos. He just didn't work out for them. So uh, obviously trading him away and replacing him with Jeff Wilson, that's that's a damn good upgrade in my opinion. The 49ers got the Dolphins' fifth rounder out of this, which once again, takes away from the um, Dolphins' overall kind of draft, I guess, this upcoming season. Because, I mean, you think about it, they have no first-round picks. Don't believe they have a second-round pick might have a third round pick, don't have a fourth round, now don't have a fifth round, I mean, they are going all in, they really, really are, and bringing in another running back that I think is definitely an upgrade over Chase Edmonds, and honestly, might be their number one running back ahead of Raheem Mostert, that's how good I think that this guy is, he's a force in the passing game, in the run game, and I think he will be great and work wonders for this offense, and once again, he is Mike McDaniel's guy, he was there when he was in uh, San Francisco, so it's a good move here for the Dolphins, and then, Uh, For the 49ers, not really much to say here. You just got Christian McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell's going to be coming back. You invested a a high pick in Trey Sermon, even though I believe Trey Sermon is gone, actually, in Philadelphia now. But the point is, the 49ers have all the running backs they need. And the only thing that I would be a little worried about uh, for the 49ers is the fact that Christian McCaffrey's pretty injury-prone and Elijah Mitchell, he's coming off another concussion and he's been relatively injury prone through his very, very short career thus far as well. So God forbid, both of them go down at the same time. What are you really working with? Uh, I mean, once again, his, uh, Kyle Shanahan's system is, is such as one of those that anyone's going to work in it. It feels like it, it really does feel like that. So I, I do completely understand the point of, you know, just, just getting a letting him go and just recouping a little bit of picks, and honestly, that fifth-round pick, they could probably utilize and draft an incredible running back, so I'm not too worried on the on the 49ers side of things here. Getting a pick, nice, and for the Dolphins, I think it's a very, very good move for them. Now, moving on, one of the, I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting... Interesting move here. The Jaguars acquired Calvin Ridley from the Falcons in exchange for a fifth round pick and a conditional fourth round pick. Now, at first, looking at that, it's, holy crap, Calvin Ridley is a number one wide receiver. The Jags, they're in desperate need of another receiver. And for only a fourth and maybe fifth round pick, that's incredible that is just, that's ridiculous, I mean, if we've seen uh, Calvin Ridley, who he, he, I mean, think back to his uh, Falcon days, uh, last time he played, which it's been a while, because obviously he missed time uh, due to taking breaks for his mental health, injury, and then obviously the scandal with gambling, but last time we saw him, he was producing even without Julio Jones, he was the only weapon on that team, and he was producing, and now you take him, give him to Trevor Lawrence, And then you have uh, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Evan Ingram. I mean, they have a stable of weapons. And then the recent emergence of Travis Etienne, that just looks incredible for the Jaguars overall. And I really, really do like that. I like it a lot. The only thing that I'm a little hesitant upon in why I think that he only netted a very small, I guess, amount of picks, like a fourth and a conditional fifth, is because he is still indefinitely suspended. A lot of people do have it in their mind that it is just for a year. And yes, it is an indefinite suspension for at minimum a year. So Kelvin Ridley very well could be out next season as well. I mean, we don't know how long it's going to take. And then also when he comes back, we're going on two seasons of him being out. Because last season he missed just about all of it, um, focusing on his own mental health issues, which I completely support. But then again, I mean, he also used that time to uh, gamble. That's when he got in trouble for the gambling and stuff like that. And then he got the further indefinite suspension. So yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting move because I think that if Calvin Ridley were to come back for next season, he's allowed to start playing. Then I think Trevor Lawrence is going to benefit greatly. And it's something that going into year three, tre- Trevor Lawrence would definitely, definitely uh, utilize to its fullest extent in Calvin Ridley being a great, great receiver, at least when he's at the peak of his powers. But They still are going to need to pay for him, and then, yeah, it's just interesting, and you're really banking on him actually being reinstated by the NFL, but once again, giving up a fifth and conditional fourth, who cares? That's honestly nothing, really, especially for the Jaguars, who I believe already do have a ton of draft capital, so it's a good move for them. Falcons, once again, they are in a rebuild, so obtaining whatever they can for them and if you think about it, Calvin Ridley, before he even got the suspension, he said he was never going to play for the Falcons again. So, yeah, pretty good move. I mean, netting at least something for a guy that you probably would have needed to cut or might not even play again, that's a good move. It really, really is. Now, next up, we're getting into kind of the smaller picks. Just I, I, have, I have three or four here that don't really mean too much. I guess and but but they still caught my eye but before going into that uh, actually, no, I'll, I'll save I'll that for the end. We had a, another couple of moves uh, outside of the trade deadline that I want to talk about. But first off, let's get into William Jackson, the cornerback from the Washington Commanders, uh, William Jackson third. He got traded to the Steelers for a sixth-round pick. Now, the Commanders, it came out earlier in the day that they were going to cut William Jackson the third, regardless if he was traded or not. So no matter what, he was going to be off the team. So... William Jackson, I think he's a good cornerback. He really is. He's had a rough season thus far, and I think towards the end of last season, he wasn't too great, but he's had times when he was very, very good. And the Steelers, in need of some cornerback depth and help there, I think this is a good move for them, especially for only a six-round pick. And then the commander's giving him up. I mean, they said it themselves. They were going to cut him anyways if he weren't uh, going to be traded. So the fact that they got anything... In return, that's that's pretty good. That, that's awesome for them. It's nice to see for them. And then just kind of going into, I, I guess, further detail here for the Steelers. They are kind of tanking. And there's only a couple deals left on William Jackson's uh, deal. But still, he, he's a decent cornerback, only giving up his six-round pick. I completely understand it. So he, he's a bigger name. Nothing really too big there, though, about it. Another one of them is Rashad Fenton going to the Chiefs are going from the Chiefs to the Falcons, and the Chiefs get a conditional seventh-round pick. That's all. So Rashad Fenton, he was a borderline starter, if not a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs, which kind of just shows wonders on the Chiefs' side of things here. It shows that for the Chiefs, even though they are, they're kind of struggling at the cornerback position. They really, really are. So giving up Rashad Fenton, who was a starting cornerback for them for pretty much all of last season and some of this season— it speaks volumes that they're willing to go. It, it speaks volumes about their young guys in particular. I mean, Trent McDuffie that they drafted. And then, along with, I'm completely blanking on um, Justin Watson, I believe the other rookie that they had, and a couple of other guys that they brought in. It seems like they're really set and going with them because obviously they moved on from Trevarius Ward last offseason, uh, trading him or letting him go to the 49ers in free agency. But then, on top of that, now giving Rashad Fenton away. They're putting a lot of faith in their rookies and undrafted free agents that they had, and only for the possibility of getting a 7th-round pick from what I believe. I believe it's conditional, so they might not even get it, but or, or it might be conditional to be able to go from a 6th, but either way, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a 7th-round pick. It's essentially a nobody, somebody who's going to get cut or moved to a practice squad anyway for this guy. The inclinations for me, though... At least that make a lot of sense. Is I think it is a cap clearing move. Now the Chiefs cleared 1.4 million dollars like that immediately with the with the uh, trade of him, obviously. So they get an extra 1.4 millions. They already restructured Travis Kelsey's contract as well. If you if you remember about two weeks ago, if you caught that, so. It seems like the Chiefs are really raring up to make a big move. Is it Odell Beckham? I don't know because they just traded for Kadarius Tony. Are they trying to clear cap space to sign someone else, trade for someone else? I have no idea. But it makes me think that this is something kind of going for the future. In the long haul, the Chiefs are looking for this. And then for the Falcons, they get a starting corner. I mean, AJ Terrell has been hurt a little bit. I believe he will be back soon. But with that being said, I mean... I think Rashad Fenton will easily slot in as a number two cornerback here for them because outside of A.J. Trell, they don't have much help on the defense. And now that the Falcons are in first place in their division, they're trying to win. They have a shot at it, so I really think that they're trying to go for it. And by giving up only a seventh-round pick in order to kind of pursue that, I think that is an incredible, incredible move for them, and I, I really do like it for the Falcons here. The last move that I I guess really of note will be the Colts trading Naheem Hines to the Bills. And I wanted to save this for last because there's also another move that the Colts made firing their offensive coordinator, which I think kind of has something to do with this. Now, Naheem Hines, he was a target of the Bills this past offseason in free agency, but ultimately they couldn't. Uh, sign or trade for him and then they also tried to get uh, JD McKissick from the 49ers or or not 49ers the commanders who eventually pulled out last minute and uh, re-signed him and so they're kind of hurt by that because they really did want a receiving back and while Devin Singletary is their lead guy on the ground they drafted James Cook to kind of do things in the pass game as well they wanted that all-purpose, all-around, can do anything back, and I think they really did get that in Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines is a freak athlete. He's a great returner as well, which I think will benefit the Bills because they don't really have a kick or punt returner, and I think Naheem Hines can do that. He's very athletic. I mean, you've seen him doing um, flips in the end zone and stuff like that, front flips, back flips. He, he, he's an incredible, incredible player. And he finally gives the Bills their... Uh, their, their, their pass catcher out of the backfield. Better than Singletary would be. Gives them really an all-around third down back, which I think is pretty cool. Now, for the Colts, who they got in return, they got a conditional sixth-round pick that could become a fifth, as well as the Bills running back, Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss in the Bills uh, system, he just didn't fit. He was drafted to be a sort of power runner, but he never really became anything like that. And he just... He hasn't received any playing time. He's been made inactive over the past couple of weeks, and it stinks because this is his third season, but he he just hasn't been able to get anything going. He was supposed to be a bruising runner, but he just never really was able to become that. So yeah, it seemed like the Bills were just completely ready to move on and I'm sure that Zach Moss will definitely endorse the opportunity as well just for a fresh start now is he going to push for carries behind um, Jonathan Taylor definitely not but he is a little bit of a different back than Jonathan Taylor so maybe on those third and short opportunities Zach Moss will get a bit more of a shot in this uh, in this offensive system and then, so I think it's a good move for the Bills. I think they'll definitely benefit from him. Is he the missing piece to get the Bills to the Super Bowl? No, a running back's never going to be that. But for the Colts to be able to get a pick, as well as just some guy to kind of sit behind him or be a little uh, placeholder in the meantime, that's all right. Not the greatest move, though, in my opinion, because, I mean, Zach Moss hasn't showed much of anything here, uh, as of late especially. And then along with that, I mean, the Colts already have Jonathan Taylor. And I understand that you need depth behind him, but maybe just have like a free agent guy or pick someone else up off the street because Zach Moss is pretty replaceable. And in, instead of getting him in a sixth, maybe get just a fourth or something like that. But either way, I, I, I guess it makes sense on both sides here. Bill's got a piece that they've been needing. Colts get a pick and a backup. So whatever. It, it works out in the end here. But what that kind of ties into was the other point that I wanted to save towards the end that I mentioned earlier, and that is the Colts firing their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady. Now, the Colts offense has sucked, and Matt Ryan has looked pitiful. Sam Ellinger went in and couldn't really get up any points either. So I understand in uh, cutting him, or letting him go at least. The only thing is that's a little uh, foreboding, I guess is really the best word about this whole process, is the fact that... They let him go this earlier in the season. It does not bode well for Frank Reich or um, Chris Ballard, their GM. And it seems like Jameer say the owner is looking like he's going to get ready to clean house. I mean, I doubt that they're going to let go of the offensive coordinator and then keep an offensive minded head coach in Frank Reich. And then even if they keep him to the end of the season, and then fire him. Then I doubt they're going to fire the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and then keep the general manager. I, I don't know. It just signs. It just seems like it's pointing towards signs of a full total rebuild here for the Colts coming up very, very soon, which definitely scary for them, especially because Matt Ryan was supposed to be that missing piece and he was the furthest thing from that. it's very, very upsetting to see. I'm sure Colts fans are pretty pissed off, especially with their season going down the drain here, especially missing out on Naheem Hines, who was not only a fan favorite, but a great guy, a great player, and was very, very helpful for them. Now if Jonathan Taylor ever, God forbid, does get hurt, I mean who do you have behind him? Zach Moss is not going to be your number one. So yeah, just definitely, definitely interesting here. A lot going on and really just there's a lot of questionable things going on for the Colts. They're essentially done for. Titans have pulled away enough in their division. The Colts have looked bad enough to the point where I don't think they're going to be making any difference no matter what they do here. So as much as I do understand, it stinks for the Colts. And it's looking like a full-on rebuild is here in the works. So, and honestly, bold prediction. Maybe this offseason, if the Colts continue to suck and get a very high pick, Bold prediction is Jonathan Taylor gets traded as well, because they're not going to sign a running back to a high top-of-the-market contract like he is going to be demanding. But that's pretty far into the future, so I, I don't really want to get that too too deep into it or anything like that, but you guys you guys are picking up what I'm saying, you know. But I mean, that's all I have uh, in going for the kind of review for our, for our trade deadline, which is... Pretty exciting. Like I said, I was super, super happy to see that a lot of stuff happened. It was cool to see a bunch of different teams get in on the action. Then, of course, outside of this, there were a couple more cuts and stuff as well. And, I don't know, I guess I'll take just a little bit of time to preview this. This week's Thursday night matchup, once again, a complete shit show is my opinion for it. I think it's going to be a complete bloodbath. It is, of course, the Texans going, is it, uh, the Texans, they're going to be staying home, I believe, for this one, but the Eagles are coming into town. The undefeated 7-0 Eagles are going to be playing the second worst record in all of football and arguably probably the worst team in all of football in the Houston Texans. Just brutal. The, te- the Texans don't do anything well. I thought they were scrappy, but, I mean, Davis Mills has looked like absolute garbage over the past couple of weeks. Their defense hasn't been able to do anything. Their coaching is a mess. It the, the, They're they're straight-up tanking, and they want that first overall pick so, so badly. And then the Eagles, on the other hand, are firing all, on all cylinders. A.J. Brown is coming off of an incredible, incredible game. He really, really is. And then furthermore, I mean, if, if you count that and just look at everything else... They have an incredible defense. They have an incredible offense. They have an incredible defense. They have an incredible O-line, D-line, second. Every single thing about the Eagles is incredible, and they're firing on all cylinders. And in my opinion, I think that they're the best team in the league right now. So the Eagles, I don't even care that it's a short week for both of them. The Eagles going on the road to face the Texans, typically this is a spot where betters would be like, oh my goodness, short week, um, home underdogs, 100% you take them. This case, the Eagles are favored by 14 points. This is the largest spread of the season so far, as at least from what I can remember, and deservedly so. I mean, I would 100% at this moment, I would take the Eagles to win and cover that. I would take the Eagles, once again, minus 20 in this situation. It is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And for those of you who are Texans fans, I am so sorry. And for those of you who are Eagles fans, like like my father... You guys are going to be licking your lips throughout this entire matchup. I would not be surprised if the Eagles put up a 50-burger if, if in, in, like, three quarters, honestly. And, I mean, they probably won't get that high, obviously, because, um, because I don't, I don't know, it's just kind of etiquette. Like, once you get up by that much, they're probably just going to start putting in their backups and stuff like that. But, dear God, it's about to be a bloodbath. In you can honestly take out a second mortgage on your house. Like, put... I mean, if if you have the money, go ahead. You could put as much money as you want on this game for the Eagles, and they're probably favored like minus five hundred. So you need to bet a hundred or like five hundred dollars to win hundred bucks. But I mean, shit. If I if I was gutsy enough like I have so much confidence in this Eagles team I would probably put my entire bank account on this game just to make a couple grand like (laughs) extra that's how much this team is going to be favored and that's how much they're going to win by now with me saying this watch it be an upset spectacular or something like that but yeah I mean Eagles to win this game is just about as much of a lock as I can think of for anything so, yeah, once again, probably not going to be that great of a Thursday night game, but hope you guys do enjoy it, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Huge, huge moves at the trade deadline. It was so exciting all through yesterday. I was sitting through all my classes, just my phone was vibrating constantly, I kept trying to sneak, in a, sneak a peek at what just happened and stuff like that. It was funny because I had a, um, a 20, 30-minute oral presentation that I was doing, and my phone was blowing up in my pocket, and I just really, really wanted to see what was going on, but Yeah, super cool, super cool stuff, a lot of stuff happening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoy Thursday night football for tomorrow. If you're a Texans fan, I will send you my prayers. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Podvine, wherever you guys do get your podcasts, and also link up with me on social media. Hit me with a follow, send me DMs, any content ideas, stuff like that, at Gabe underscore Flewellyn, G-A-B-E underscore F-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. We got a lot of stuff coming up in the works, and I really do appreciate everybody's support here. The growth has been insane, so just keep asking you guys to do that. Push it out to friends that you haven't told of already. Have them follow, uh, add comments, stuff like that, ratings, reviews. I really do appreciate all of this, and there are big, big things in the makings in the future ahead. So thank you guys so much. Hopefully you guys have a good one. Talk to you guys later. Peace.